Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a great morning and a great day. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the inputs we've had lately with great video series. And we're going to also have some thoughts about the big picture of 2023 and kind of the state of things, how the trends are going the last few years, and maybe then further into this decade, in especially than the Anglo-American world, the Anglo-sphere and the culture at large. And the whole idea of rebalancing and, and what we can see as perhaps movements and encouraging movements and the, how the new things seem to be really growing and there might be a somewhat of a way to go still, but at least there is much more substance and there are more people and more kind of even institutions kind of emerging now that are really encouraging for uh, something new coming and also the whole idea of the, the rebirth and a, a new spring, to use the flowery language, uh, and a cycle kind of turning and that we've been kind of having maybe put something behind us and turned a corner. So first we want to talk about some of these uh, great inputs we are following. One is uh, Tom L.A. Books, our friend in L.A., who was a guest on the last episode. Uh, so his videos are great, both when it, about Dante's comedy and about uh, Ecclesiasticus, the book of Sirach. And just a few points on that. Uh, so these are the two last videos he, he published. The book of Sirach, there's a point there about the value of wisdom and he connects this to also like trends strains of thoughts in in the current moment of of the culture with how uh, dysfunctional relativism really is and how to consider having no wisdom or having somewhat or or like a more like the like adequate or an abundance of wisdom is much better and again, having no wisdom, uh, which is obvious in most times of history, but sometimes there kind of things plunge into a sort of confusion or is a kind of a sickness in the culture where these things just become jumbled. So that's uh, one, just one of the great uh, ideas and points he's making in the Sirac video. And then we have the La Comedia di San Dante, Inferno Canto Se, like the sixth, sixth chapter, sixth canto of uh, Inferno. This is also a great video, so you can put on subtitles in English and then you can follow the argument. And again, he's connecting it so beautifully to more like current thinking and bridging and showing how Dante is the present and also then in many ways the future. So we just wanted to read one little excerpt from, from Canto 6. So in all the three books, the sixth canto, the sixth chapter is a political one. So in the first book, it's about Florence. In the second book, it's about Italy. And in the third book, it's about the whole Roman Empire and the whole history of the Roman Empire through the, through the voice of Emperor Justinian. So this one starts on at a smaller scale with Florence, but he points really directly to the cause of the fall of Florence, which was a really big city. It was a kind of a hub like, for trade, for, for uh, uh, production, and for the, 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 the rise of the merchant class and then uh, also like banking system and finance system. And they, they quickly became the most powerful city in the whole of Europe. And there were the bankers for the Pope and they were much bigger than, than Paris and London at the time. 
So Dante is talking about a little bit before the Renaissance, the fall of the of Florence in terms of the the corruption and the moral decay. So he has this one tercet here that he says, two just men there are, like the two two just people in Florence, but no one listens. For pride, envy, avarice, meaning greed, are the three sparks that kindle immense hearts and set them burning. So again, he Dante points to this, like the cause of the fall, the corruption, the decay in the culture is comes from moral reasons or dynamics, mechanics, which is again pride, like arrogance, hubris, envy, and greed. So it's interesting to, to look at current times, especially maybe then North America, <laughs> the US, with this enormous wealth and success, and then the corruption that usually historically almost always follows. And then seen through these moral uh, moral forces dynamics again. So that is uh, some input from Tom's videos. And then we are now rounding up the Jordan Peterson's Exodus series. We are watching the last episode for in this first part of the series. So they publish now eight episodes. And then, according to the the last episode, they're gonna film the second part now in January, starting in January, and then it's going to be re released later this year. So episode eight of the Exodus is then wrapping up the first half of the series. And just a couple of points standing out from that, that episode was when they start talking about uh, mercy and justice, and then what kind of qualities function at which levels. So very concretely, it talks about agreeableness and compassion that they work on a small scale, but they does not they do not scale upwards at the big scale. And the example is, for example, management. Agreeable and compassionate people, as has been now researched and the evidence and the results are clear, agreeable, compassionate ma managers are not performing well. The good, those who perform well as managers are people who are conscientious, often disagreeable, often even unlikable, but they do become and perform better as managers. So there's something about the qualities needed at different levels. This is also something that perhaps many or most have experienced in their own lives. We certainly have it for ourselves like some of the people we worked for in different jobs, like at least 10 different jobs over the years, the people we tend to like the most are often not so good managers because they're too nice. They want to create like a good, good, happy, good vibe all the time. They, they avoid confrontation. They avoid the difficult decisions and it just create, and they're also in general, often more messy. So choosing managers or leaders in companies or in society based upon how likable they are is not a good strategy for finding the good people to be in charge. This is a little bit how like people don't like to think about this, but it's become perhaps necessary to just face this, this uh, fact in terms of the, the, the proof and the empirical evidence now that if you... People you like the more are often not good at being managers. There's something about the requirements of being a leader that 
are not compatible with just being uh, a nice companionship sometimes, often. So that's uh, it was just interesting to get some of the empirical data on this. And uh, they also then talk about the dilemma of justice versus mercy, which is somewhat related that Dennis Prager goes kind of heavily into that mercy is on the small scale, but on the big scale you need justice and that they are sometimes uh, in conflict with each other, which is also something to ponder for for, for many weeks and months and, and years, how to, how to balance these things. But he says in the Jewish, it's very clear, mercy is at the small scale, the micro scale. On the big scale, the macro scale, you need justice. Okay, and we just wanted to point into one, like this is also expressed in uh, Aristotle, like almost two and a half thousand years ago. He opens his book on politics. This is the first book, the first chapter the second paragraph where Aristotle says, some people think that the qualifications of a statesman, a king, a householder and a master are the same and that they differ not in kind or not in nature, but only in the number of their subjects. For example, the ruler of a few is called a master, over more the manager of a household, over a still larger number, a statesman or a king as if there were no difference between a great household and a small state. Again, then the micro level, the smaller scale, and then the big scale with the whole state. And Aristotle continues, but all this is a mistake, as will be evident to anyone who considers the matter according to the method which has hitherto guided us. So again, this is two and a half thousand years ago. Aristotle went around in ancient Greece. He he visited and, and just did research on 160 city-states, kind of independent political units at the time. And then he just wrote down what he saw, what worked, what didn't work, and his conclusions. And then what kind of different states forms you have, and then how they change over time. They can change quickly with revolutions, or they can change slowly with evolution. And to some extent, it's also depending on the context, which ones are better at with different times as well. But anyway, so the, what they talk about in Jordan Peterson's Exodus series, episode eight, about this micro and um, um, the micro and, and macro scale are then expressed in the ancient Greek texts as well. So that was the Exodus series. And then the last one, just a small thing about uh, the Hillstead courses. Without, we're going through now the second course on C.S. Lewis. And it's really good. And uh, we just want to say a few things about this. So one is that Lewis is very much concerned about the relationship between mythology, like pagan mythology, and the religious, the biblical stories, in part because he then, according to himself, was very much raised in an environment where the biblical stories were the truth and all the other ones was just plain false and you should stay away from them. There was nothing to learn from them. And this didn't quite add up in the mind of the young C.S. Lewis. And this becomes a big, big part of his thinking and his uh, approach. You wouldn't exactly say theology because he's not presenting kind of an overall cosmology or theology, but he has... He has some very profound uh, and, and practical insights into how to approach the biblical stories and the spiritual life. So he says here in, uh, in Myth Became Fact from 1944, so quote, 
a man who disbelieved the Christian story as fact but continually fed on it as myth would perhaps be spiritually more alive than one who assented and did not think much about it. So he's emphasizing here that there are spiritual truths, there are virtues in in mythology, and also if even if you look at the Christian story as mythology, you might then perhaps be more spiritual alive than if you never contemplate and you just take them as as fact and then don't think of it. So that's uh, one of the things with um, with Lewis, and then also his thoughts about objective and subjective reality or objective and personal reality as his his whole argument in the abolition of man is about it's also very important to get an idea of this uh, this overall main argument and conviction that there are objective truths there are objective timeless morals or if it's all in your head which leads to relativism but it also leads to uh, in mythology or and the biblical stories, it leads to pride, arrogance, hubris, which causes the fall. It causes Nemesis, the goddess Nemesis, comes flying with her little sword and will destroy <laughs> what comes out of hubris over time. It's also the, the Tower of Babel over and over and over. So tr- trying to dismiss objective morals, transcendent morals, is then in the tradition and in historical just uh, studies shows that it leads eventually into destructive times and destructive ends. So this is a it's a very important and very very foundational like a basic thought as a starting point for one's own thinking about the world and yourself and the relationship between you and the world and also how you see. Uh, other people and and how you act in the world as well and that leads us into the reflection topic of today which is the big picture and 2023 so these things we are trying like overall to look at the balancing so now we're going to use a bit of the brain hemisphere language again between the the right and the left brain hemisphere or the right and the left brain in the sense that we have two different brains who are have different natures and they look at the world differently and the argument is that the right brain is the overall picture uh, brain it has the nature for understanding the overall picture the left brain does not but arguably the last four five hundred years especially in the western or the anglo-american culture the left hemisphere has taken control it has become the master instead of the emissary and then it does not quite understand the big picture and then you get lots of problems because it's starting to build a model and it insists on the model even if it's more and more at um, in conflict with the perceived reality and it's some of his drive is more towards control domination power removal of ambiguity taking everything literally and it also leads us to a very sterile and in many ways an inhuman way of of experiencing the world and looking at the world so what we are looking at in general is to see how is this balance uh, like playing out how is it changing is there a redressing of the balance moving towards a new 
kind of equilibrium, a harmony where the right brain is again the overall uh, hemisphere, and then like this whole idea of the Renaissance again. And looking at if you look at Hillsdale courses, if you look at what Jordan Peterson is doing, uh, Ralston College is a new institution that is kind of emerging now. There are definitely strong, like early, like buds of something new coming. And then the more we start looking at and, and drawing from the old stories, the tradition and, and renewing it and reformulating it and rediscovering it, the more we are participating in this gradual rebalancing, which it seems like is is uh, well on its way. Uh, and again, it might be some time before it kind of you really start feeling it. But at least if you look at the new that is emerging, it is very encouraging, especially now in 2023. More, much more than in the last 10 years or so, which has been more like a downward slope, but now it's really starting to 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 change in the sense that you can you can enter this world of the new things emerging and it is uh, it's not just one one off person here and there having a, a small youtube channel or a podcast but there is more of a community and more of something bigger that is emerging and uh, also want to point to one thing here about how many of the debates in the big picture also is they are converging to this idea of the objective reality. This was a debate in the 11 and 1200s. This is one of the major scholastic debates about the universals. Like, do abstract things exist or not? Is the idea of the good something that exists or is it just like an abstract thought in your own head? At the time, during the 1200s especially, and kind of ending with Thomas Aquinas, this, this debate was lost to to the people who are the nominalists who th say that it does not exist, it's just a word, like norm is word, so or name. So it's just something, we, it's little tools in our brain, but they don't exist in themselves. And then a part of a rebalancing might be to look at this debate again and then rebalance it. So that's, you can see this expressed in so many ways. And again, like we just talked about in C.S. Lewis, he is discovering the same things that some of the things that Lewis is really fighting for was seen as obvious in the 1200s. So it's more a rediscovery and more gravitating towards the truth than actually finding something new and uncharted territory. So that is also a big part of, of, uh, of the big picture now. And to just sum up that little idea, so it's inspiring, we have new meaningful, meaningful new areas we can spend time on and participate in. And especially for younger folks, if you're between if like 18, 19, in your 20s, this is a really exciting time because you can dwell into this, this stuff and you can have a lifetime of just spending the next few decades on this in a positive and kind of, uh, new, growing, emerging sense again. So this is uh, a really nice time to be a young person compared to just 10 years ago when it was again all kind of going downwards. This is the time where you can actually place yourself within the good forces and this uh, this new cycle that is kind of emerging with, with great new things and perhaps also some of the, the biggest new, like a bigger cycle that is more like this five, 600 years since the last Renaissance. Okay, so that was almost 20 minutes. Um, 
We wanted to end very briefly just with uh, Thursday's from Dante. We're not going to talk much about it. We just want to read it. This is from the opening of the Purgatory, which is the big book about rebirth. So it opens with, For better waters now, the little bark of my poetic powers hoists its sails and leaves behind that cruelest of the seas. So that's a message of just positivity, better waters, leaving something behind. And then there's a little picture of beauty, the tender tint of orient sapphire, suffusing the still reaches of the sky as far as the horizon deeply clear, renewed my eyes delight now that I found myself free of the deathly atmosphere that had weighed heavy on my eyes and heart. So it's the same, the positive outlook of the beauty and this, this suffused still reaches of the sky, which is the dawn, the new day that is coming, and then just a whole different feeling and optimism and, again, outlook. So with that, we're going to end this episode. I uh, hope some of this was interesting. And as always, thank you so much for listening, for tuning in, and see you again in the next episode.